I am really happy that you've joined us tonight. Two weeks ago, I, um, I preached a message on Sunday morning about how you can trust God's Word. And tonight, I'd like to come back as a kind of a follow-up to that message, and let's just talk about what the Bible says. And I just pulled a phrase from the Scripture that's focus on reading the Scriptures. And before we get into this tonight, we're going to pray and going to ask those of you who are watching online to join us here and, and join us in worshiping the Lord in our giving. And if you have prayer requests, please don't hesitate to share those at uh, woodland.church. Uh, on our church online, you can just click watch live right there and you can share any prayer request or answer any questions. Somebody's monitoring that tonight and we'll be happy to help you. Or you can just send a text message to 734-931-0111. And uh, share a prayer request, and I promise you, I promise you, we'll be following up and praying with you about your prayer request tonight. But let's just open with a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we love you. I thank you for the blessedness of your presence. I thank you for the peace of your presence. And I thank you for the word of God that tells us all about our Heavenly Father who loves us, who created us and fashioned us for himself. And I ask you in the next few minutes tonight, you will speak to us as we study the Word of God together, for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. If you're watching online, you can follow along on Church Online again with all the notes, or you can download it from our app as well. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 through 16, you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. So evidently, Timothy had been taught, this is writing to young Pastor Timothy, he had been taught the Word of God, he had listened to the Word of God, he had learned the Word of God. He follows up, then the next statement says, you know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. And boy, isn't trust a wonderful thing? It's a powerful thing. That's, that's been the whole feature of what we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks. We talked about trusting the Bible. This past week, we talked about trusting God. You can trust those who taught you. And what have you been taught? You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. This Scripture is very important. All Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, all Scripture is inspired or breathed out by God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. Last week, I gave my little two-year-old grandson a specially written uh, children's devotional book and um, looked forward to him coming. And his, his mom asked me if I would just take time to write a little note. Well, I'll never use a word when several hundred will do. So I, I wrote to bear something he'll read much later in life, I'm sure, about my love for the Word of God, my love for him, and how he could trust the Word of the Lord. But Bear is fascinated right now with all words that sound that start with P. And so we would hold our hands up and talk about popcorn and pancakes and pockets and any word like that. And I was able to tell him, Bear, that breath you feel, pancake, that's a good way of thinking about how God breathed out his word. You can fill with a piece. Just put your hand up in front of your face right now and just say popcorn. And you feel that that pop of air that comes right out of your mouth. Well, that word inspire, it's God breathe. You can feel the force and the fragrance and the sweetness of God's word. So all scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. 
It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. One of the common threads that I have found, especially in Western civilization and then in other civilizations as they've been evangelized, the great minds of the world have been people that have studied the Word of the Lord. The great minds of the world have been those that have not only studied it, but have, have taken and applied it to their lives. They've meditated upon it. They've thought upon it. If you go way back in history to the story of the incarnation when Jesus was born, evidently from the period of time that the children of Israel were held captive in Babylon, there were bits of the Word of God that evidently had been left behind and that the Magi studied, and that's how they knew that when the Messiah was going to be born, what the meaning and the significance of the star was, they followed to the east to where they came to where Jesus had been born. You see, a great life requires a great mind. And you don't have to be a scholar, you don't have to be an academic, but a great life really does require a great mind. You and I are responsible for what goes into our minds. You and I are stewards of what goes into our mind. And so it's critical that we understand that what I think about, what I meditate upon, the music that I choose to listen to, the entertainment or the comedy that I choose to listen to. We have a, a radio subscription in our car to a service that probably a lot of you have as well. And there's one called the Comedy Channel. And I just, sometimes I'll turn it on and it's clean comedy and then sometimes it's really crass and I just have to turn it off. I don't want to allow those thoughts a place in my mind. And although I like to laugh, I like good, clever humor. I like humor that makes me think sometime. We're responsible to steward the thoughts in our mind. My, my mother called today, and only as a mother would. She says, what have you eaten today? I'm so glad she called today. I said, Mom, for breakfast this morning, I ate an apple, a pear, and an orange. That's good. What did you have for lunch? I said, Mom, I had a Greek salad today, and I put the dressing on the side. It had beets, and it had olives, and vegetables, and lettuce in it, and, and I had half a slice of pita bread with it. She said, what are you going to have tonight? I said, I have no clue what I'm going to have tonight, but I was glad, but I, I want to be careful about what I put into my body. I want to be a good steward about what I put into my body. How much more should we be careful about what we put into our minds? If I pull a glass out of the cabinet and the glass is filmy or doesn't look clean, I'm going to wash that glass. I don't want to use a dirty glass. I was working in a country in South America. I took a huge box of alcohol wipes based upon what the missionary told me. I was preaching for a church plant that was being started in a city that for 500 years had never had the gospel preached in it. And preaching there, it was like stepping back 200 years in time. There were no automobiles, no trucks. It was very primitive. And every day, I saw them take my glass after somebody else used it. They rinsed it in dirty water, set it out, and was going to brought me a Coca-Cola or something to drink. I would take that alcohol wipe inside and out, and my little alcohol wipe would come out just as dirty as it could be. I want to be a steward of what goes into here, and a lot has gone into there over the years. I want to be a good steward of what goes into here. Look at James chapter 3 and verse 18. And the harvest of righteousness, of conformity to God's will and thought and deed. I'm, again, I should have told you, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, and 
I hope if you haven't invested in one yet, you will invest in one because it really does help you to grasp the meaning of some of the Greek words. And the harvest of righteousness, what is righteousness? Conformity to God's will and thought and deed. So there's what righteousness is, is conformity. It's not reformation, it's conformity. It's the fruit of the seed sown in peace. In other words, it becomes the fruit of the seed sown in peace by those who work for and make peace in themselves and in others. That peace which makes, means concord, agreement, and harmony between individuals with undisturbedness and a peaceful mind, underline that or circle that tonight, free from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. It's why in my conversations with people, I always want to share those things that will encourage and build up. It's why I hate gossip so much, because gossip does just the opposite of what peace will do. It's why I hate half-truths so much. It's because half-truths do these things. It's why I never want to pass along something that somebody else has told me, that somebody else has told them, until I kind of can get behind it, because I've seen so many people's lives wrecked or ruined by a half-truth or by a gossip. Have you ever met the people people that when they learn something, they just can't wait to go tell everybody else. I love people like Mary in the Scriptures. And even when Jesus, when the angel of the Lord spoke to her, the Bible says she pondered it in her heart. She thought about it long before she shared about it. What does this do? Now think about this. What does this do when we work on developing a great mind? Again, I'm not talking about being uh, an academic. I'm not talking about trying to be the uh, Renaissance man or woman, but a great mind. What happens then? We begin to experience freedom of our thoughts and freedom of our minds, freedom to think thoughts that please the Lord. Viktor Frankl, who was what the psychiatrist that survived the, the horror of the Nazi camps and after having everything taken from him, even after having his coat taken from him, where he had hidden the manuscript of a book that he was working on before the Nazis captured him, and he hoped he'd be able to, to keep that, he was given the clothes of, a, of another Nazi, of, excuse me, of another Jewish man that had been put into the ovens. And when he put on these old clothes, he found just a passage of paper from the Scripture that the man who had wore the clothes before him it was the Shema, Hero God, the Lord our God is one. And he would quote that to himself every day. And he said, what I discovered was there were, the Nazis could capture us, they could make us prisoners, but the people who survived were the people that stayed in control of their minds. A great mind, you may make a slave of a body, but you are in control of your thoughts, especially if you feed it upon the word of the Lord. Real freedom, listen, real freedom comes, look at me, don't miss this, real freedom comes whenever you can choose to direct your thoughts and think God's thoughts after Him. It's those reckless thoughts, it's those wandering thoughts, it's those panic thoughts, those negative thoughts. Sometimes people ask me and they say, I don't know how to meditate. I'll ask them, do you know how to worry? They go, yeah. I go, that's negative meditation. Because if you know how to worry about your child not getting well, if you know how to worry about your teenager, you know, when they're out driving, if you know how to worry about your health, you know how to meditate. You are meditating. 
Positive meditation is taking the Word of God and just thinking over and over and applying it to your life. That's what builds a great mind and then gives you the freedom to direct your thoughts. And when you direct your thoughts, even when you wake up like I did last week from a nightmare, I mean a brutal nightmare, and it was so real that when I first woke up, I thought, oh my goodness. And then once I realized I was awake, I wasn't in the nightmare, I just began quoting scripture to myself, and the peace of God that passes understanding settled on my heart. Now, what made the nightmare frightening was the lie was anchored to something in reality. Does that make sense? The lie was anchored to something in reality. And one of the great things about dreams is that's how God helps us to work out those things that are agitating us inside. And if we wake up from them and we apply the word of the Lord, then we can walk in the peace of God. So how do we do this? Uh, just second point, the last point, and then we're going to kind of go through um, some growth work real quickly, <clears throat> is read your Bible. Read your Bible. It's amazing to me how many people come to church, but don't go home and read their Bible. Sometimes I'll ask them because they'll ask me about something I've just recently preached on. I said, did you read the scriptures in the outline? Have you been meditating on any of them? Well, no, pastor. I said, well, tell me what you've read this week. Well, I haven't really read. Have you read the paper? Have you watched the news? You know, something occupies our mind. We have a new thing now called binge watching. And I talk to people sometimes, like I talked to a girl today, um, I was at a place of business, and I know her, and she's usually just bright and cheerful and bubbly. And I said, you look so tired today. Can I pray with you? And she says, oh, yes. She says, I've been up the last two nights binge watching. <laughs> and I'm like, you're giving up sleep to watch Netflix? She says, don't get on to me. I said, I'm not getting on to you. I'm just stunned that you would give up sleep to watch Netflix. She says, but it's so good. Friends, the Bible is so good when you learn to meditate upon it. Listen to Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 19. My son, listen, be wise. Keep your mind going in the right direction. Now, if that was true thousands of years ago, how much more true is it today in an age of social media, Instagram, Facebook, Netflix, Hulu, with all the distractions? And we're about to enter a political campaign where everything is going to be a disaster unless you elect the right person according to what they're saying. You know, from local representation all the way to the White House. Everything's, you know, our politicians, they are the answers to all of our problems with what's coming along right now. I read an article today about the upcoming presidential campaign and already the two Republicans and the Democrats that were showing what their strategies are for undermining and demeaning the other side of the story and there was nothing in there about the future of our country or the future of America. And I remember thinking to myself, this is the problem. We're so interested. Remember what I said just a moment ago? And passionate on half-truths, passionate on gossip, what somebody else said, rather than facing what the real challenges are that we're up against. So keep your mind going in the right direction. Underline that phrase. Keep your mind going in the right direction. And what is the right direction? A heart that's after God, a heart that loves your family, a heart that loves the people of God, and a heart that wants to do what God has created us to do. Proverbs 22 and verse 17. 
open your ears and hear the words of wise people and set your mind on the knowledge I give you. So when I read this verse of Scripture, I not only think about that this is important, so listen to what I'm going to say. I not only think about reading the Bible, but then the Bible tells me here that I need to open my ears, which means I need to actively listen. I'm responsible to listen. Jesus said there are some people, look at me, some people, they listen, but they don't hear. They see, but they don't see. They have eyes to see with, but they don't see. The problem is not that they can't see or can't hear. The problem is right here. They refuse to listen, refuse to hear. And they can come up with multitude of reasons why. I'm not only responsible to listen to the Lord of God. I'm responsible to listen to wise people and then set my mind on the not. I set my mind in the right direction or keep my mind going in the right direction. And then I set my mind on the knowledge that I'm learning. And how do I apply that? So one of our students asked me one time, says, why should I read the Bible? And I said to them what I said to you a few moments ago that I wrote for my grandson in this book of Bible stories I just gave him. Because God breathes it out. God breathed it out. I remember my dad's last words. I remember my dad's words to me in hospital beds. Sometimes I hear his voice when I'm just riding down the road and all of a sudden I'll hear, hey, fella. And I know it's just my memory, but I'll hear my dad's voice, hey, fella. I, I, I cherish all those memories of his word. God breathes his word into our life. And when I read the Bible, two things happen. Number one, I honor God. If I send you an email and you don't read it, you've dishonored me. Now, if I send you an email every single day of your life and I have nothing to say to you, you should ignore my emails. And I don't think anybody can ever excuse me, accuse me of just slamming your email box. But when you read my email or I read your email or your text message, I honor you. We honor God. Now, here's the deal. When I read God's word, I honor God, but I worry the stew out of the devil. Do you get it? I worry the devil because then I'm reading words of wisdom, words of life, words of knowledge, words of truth, and truth is sacred. And when I read those words of truth that are sacred, it exposes the lies of the devil. That's the reason that when I write, I try to think carefully, is this going to encourage? Is this going to edify? Is this going to build up? It's the very first book, and I'm so thankful I can say this, and I give my mom and dad credit for this. It's the very first book I can remember being read to me. And it's the very last book I want to hear read to me when I'm on my deathbed. I came into this world hearing the word of the Lord. I want to go out of this world hearing the word of the Lord. I want my children's earliest memories to be, and they are, of having heard the word of the Lord. And I love it when Bear crawled up in my lap last week, and I'm reading my Bible, and I just start reading to him, and Bear just lays his head on my chest, and he listens while I read, and I read it just as dramatically as I can, and I stop, and he goes, again, Papa. 
Oh, again, Papa. Isn't that cool? Again, Papa. You want it to be the first and the last. And when I read the Bible, I learn about God. I don't necessarily learn about how God created the world. The Genesis 1 story, there's so much more I'd like to know about how God created the world. But I learn about this amazing God of ours who did create the world and why he created the world and what the purpose of the world is and where we're going to go. Well, very quickly, let me give you 10 things that I hope will just encourage you. One of the reasons I read the Word is because it gives me life. It gives life. That's your first fill in there. The Bible says in Philippians 2.16, hold firmly to the Word of life. Secondly, the reason I read the Word of God is it increases my faith. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 14, I've written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. Why? God's word lives in your heart, and you have won your battle with the evil one. Winning our battle is a matter of hiding the word of God in our heart. Number three, it increases our confidence. We can tell you with complete confidence, and then look what Paul says. We have the master's word upon it. I prayed with somebody just before the service tonight, and I said, listen, we can pray with confidence because this is what God's word said. And then they were like, Pastor, can you say that again? And so I read it to him again. We can pray this with confidence because this is what God's Word says. Number four, it provides guidance for me. In Psalms 119 and verse 133, establish my steps and direct them by means of your Word. In other words, God guides us with the wisdom and the knowledge that is in His Word. Number five, it makes the foolish wise. Even a fool can become a wise person. And if you read the book of Proverbs, Proverbs doesn't have a whole lot of nice things to say. Well, it doesn't have anything nice to say about the fool. But it says, listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Before I came to know Christ, I was a fool. Before I came to know Christ, I was the folly of sin. Christ changes your life, and then God makes you wise don't ignore it. It makes the weak strong. Number six, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. Jeremiah, you know, was known as the weeping prophet. And when he read the word of the Lord, it strengthened him and encouraged him. As a matter of fact, it would be much later that Daniel would be reading and applying Jeremiah's words. And you can read all about that in the book of Daniel the Word of God. You want to leave something behind for your family that is just seasoned with the Word of the Lord. Look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's the reason I say, I always encourage you, unless you're diabetic or medical reasons that you have to, before you put any food in your tummy, put the Word of God in your soul when you get up. Let it be the very first thing that you reach for. Number seven, it corrects the erring. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Number eight, it encourages the despairing. The Scriptures give us hope and encouragement according to Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Number nine, it inspires the daring. Blessed are those who find strength in you. Their hearts are on the road that leads to you. Look at that. Their hearts are on the road that leads to you. And if you can't keep up with writing all these down, all of these notes are in our outline tonight. You can look at it later. And then finally, it humbles the overbearing. 
God sets himself against the proud and the haughty, but God gives grace continually to the lowly, to those who are humble enough to receive it. Daniel had a vision that really, really frightened him. The angel of the Lord came to him and says, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. What did he want to gain understanding in? Not just the events of the day in a collapsing empire. By the way, in a collapsing empire that it was at the peak of its power, in a collapsing empire that you've looked at it, you would have thought it would have lasted forever. But already it was folding under the weight of its own corruption. Daniel stuck to the word of the Lord, and he wanted to understand how to apply the word of God, and God came and strengthened him. So let's look at these four points of growth work here tonight. You've heard me teach on these before, so I won't be long with them. I don't know who came up with them. We've taught them on Sunday mornings here. We've drawn them out before. It's very simple. They're much more sophisticated ways of studying. But if you're new to Bible study, then let me, inter- just, let me just introduce this to you if you've never looked at it before. It's called the soap method. We all need our lives cleansed by the word of the Lord. There are times when I witness things or see things. I just need to sit down with the word of the Lord and let the word of God wash over me to cleanse from aggravation or fear or anxiety or whatever it may have created by reading the word of God. So first of all is the scripture to be sure that you're reading the scripture Secondly, observe what you've read in the Scripture. After you've read your, take time to go back over it and just begin to read and to see what God's Word has to say. Listen, you and I take it for granted today that we can read silently. You know, that wasn't always the case. The Bible primarily was written so that it could be read to people. It was an oral passing along. One of the things that fascinated Augustine, and if you've ever read his confessions, and I asked one of the men in the church one time to to read them with me, and he goes, no way. But they're long, they're kind of challenging to read, but they're rewarding to read. But did you know he was absolutely amazed that Ambrose could read the Scripture silently? Look at this. This is from, from, uh, I believe, in the sixth book. When he was reading, his eyes glided over the pages, and his heart searched out the sense but his voice and tongue were at rest. Even the scholars, they read the books out loud. And there is value in reading the word of the Lord out loud. If hearing it as you read it to yourself, there's value in doing that. But don't ever take for granted the education that we have to be able to read and meditate upon the word. And then apply the word of God. How am I going to use this in my life today? Where am I going to use it? So many times you may read something, you go... I don't know what that means for me, but then later during the day, an opportunity comes up, and that's just the right scripture you need. And then finally, pray over that verse of scripture. Pray it back to God. Pray it over to the Lord. As a matter of fact, after this message is over tonight, before you went to bed, and uh, Mark, if you can just put this first scripture back up on the screen from 2 Timothy chapter 3, I would just pray over this this evening before you went to bed. Remain faithful to the things you've been taught. Lord, Help me to always be faithful to your word, no matter what I see or hear. Then make this your confession to the Lord before you go to sleep tonight. I know they are true, and I can trust those who've taught me. Then just tell the Lord this, Lord, I have been taught the scriptures. Now give me wisdom to day by day receive the salvation that comes from trusting in you and by trusting in what you've done for me in Christ. 
as you pray scripture back to the Lord, you submit it in your heart, and there's something as you go to sleep at night, your spirit meditates upon that word, and then when you wake up the next morning, it totally changes the way you begin your day. Hey, I'm so glad you joined us tonight. Thanks for being with us. God bless you. I hope you'll come and join us this Sunday here at Woodland. I'd love nothing more than to meet you and to greet you and introduce you to some of the wonderful family of God here at Woodland. Good night. God bless.